welcome to the Who is God podcast. I am Thaddeus Funk, and we are here as I continue to learn more about who is God. Um, it's a big question with uh, quite a bit of impact in our lives, in uh, in how we how we live individually, how we live in family and community, uh, and how um, how we live globally. Um, I have my guest today is Graham Stamford. He's come all the way from the UK. Um, and Graham has a great story. I'm excited to hear and to share with you, the listener. Um, and so, Graham, I just uh, where are you from? Where do you live now? I, I live now in Carnforth, Lanc- uh, Lancashire. Okay. But born in the biggest and the best county in England, and that's Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Uh, All right. And uh, it was there that uh, my life started. Hmm. Uh, well, I've uh, I traced some of my family roots back to England, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the is it the Watt Tyler Revolution? Uh, he was one of my great great insert lots of great grandfathers, right? Yeah. Um, and then even some that uh, that bailed on the UK mm-hmm. because they believed in living the way that God wanted them to live, and they jumped on a a well known ship uh, <laughs> and uh, and came to America and settled, uh, and so. Um, my personal history goes back not uh, a long way before I can go back there, but you're more recent here. Um, tell us a little more about yourself. Right. Well, just born in a, as a typical Yorkshire home, football crazy. I've always been in sport. I've played sport, soccer most of my life, traveled many miles, different countries and played. But um, then I just mainly were playing soccer and cricket at this early stage. You know, you know began... There's a time in your life when you began to think, why am I here? You know, mm-hmm. what am I doing? What is the purpose? And things like that begin to enter your thinking. And uh, I think it, that's what was going on inside my mind. Although it was the religious mind, that was just as I was beginning to think. Basically, I wanted to know three things at that stage. I was 15 years of age, and these three things, I wanted to know the direction. What is the best direction to go with your life? The second thing I wanted to find out, and I, I think this is a good quest for anybody to do, find out the truth. It, once you've found it, base your life on it. And then the third thing, which is very big for me as a wild teenager in those days, what's the best life? I wanted life. I wanted life to the full. Uh, I didn't want the second best. I wanted the best. And, and so that was how my mind was working. And what happened was that one day... Um, coming down our street and then banging on my door, uh, there was a guy from the local church. She had a white dog collar on. If people know what dog collar is, a white thing to say, I'm from church, basically. And what does a, a, a young guy do when he sees one banging on the door? For me, it was, I'm getting out quick, I'm getting out now. And I got out and started picking black currants because we have black currant bushes. And so I picked the black currants, and, but my mum knocked on the window. And called me in, said he's come to see you, you know. So I saw this guy, and I thought, oh dear. And he said, I'm starting a youth club in the area. Would you like to join? I said, well, I've got one question really to ask: Do they play soccer? And he said, yeah, they play indoor soccer. And indoor soccer, for those in sport, know it's one of the best places for speeding your game up. It's a lot sharper than on a wide pitch. And so I put my name down, and I joined. And you know, it was good. Uh, we uh, we uh, enjoyed it. M- m- mischievous, got into bits of trouble in there. But what happened? The 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 guys said there was clubs established. We're going to start a Sunday afternoon Bible study, 
And I thought, oh no, well Sunday afternoon was when we were out, out soccer. We played, you know, on the local fields. And, and I, I thought, oh no. And uh, he, he said this, if you come on Sunday, I'll do a special games night on a Monday for you guys. So I started to go. And um, uh, the, the, I was, my ears picked up because one of the guys who was going to speak was an uh, ex-racing tipster. The other big sport that I was very interested in was horse racing. And uh, so we are in Beverly, my own town. We've got a big race course on the outside. We've got three uh, racing stables. It's right into horse racing. So, I, I, you know, I was in. I, I, mm. I could tell you every jockey that was running that time, every, every trainer, I knew them all. Not knew them personally, but, you know. Knew who they were, yeah. Knew who they were. Anyway, so uh, it's great. This guy came and he came into our you know youth group, and he started to speak. Now, to my horror, sadness, he didn't mention horse racing once in his talk. <laughs> Never mentioned it, but he did mention a verse that absolutely hit me. And I'm going to give you the verse because you think what I said about what I was looking for. He, he, he mentioned John chapter 4, he said, I'm going to speak on John chapter 14 and verse 6, which says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's the verse. Wow. And he started banging out, because what was I doing? I was looking for di direction, and it just seemed as that guy was speaking. He says, Graham... It seemed as though God was speaking to me and said, Graham, if you want to find the direction in life, go to Christ. He is the way. And then the second thing, what I was looking for, truth. I wanted to find mm. the truth. And that, you couldn't believe it. It, it was hit from, that verse was made for me because it said, Jesus said, I am the truth. You want the truth, find me. Mm. Because I've come into the world to, to, to bring men and women to the truth. So I wanted that. But most of all, a kid at that age and a man like myself, anyway, so I, I, wanted, I wanted life. I, I wanted, you know, if the, you were only on here 70 years or more, I'm just over that now, so, you know, 70 years and uh, life. And that verse said, I am the way, the direction, I am the truth, and I am the life. And that's the life I was looking And there was a verse where we used to play in the back of the sports hall. The Vickers where was a very keen guy. And he had a massive board. And it was a, a text board. And, of course, it was about the same size as a goal in football. Because those guys, when we were in that hall, that was our goal. And we'd practice. In fact, that's where I learned to head a soccer ball. People would throw it across and we'd try and hit this big board. But on that big board, it said, um, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. That, that, that's how John 10 and verse 10. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And that was just what I... But of course, didn't relate to me. I just knew the verse because I'd headed soccer balls against it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, that day he said, you know, some of you guys, this, is, this makes sense to you. That Christ came into the world to show us direction, to be... The truth to give us the greatest life. And, you know, it, it, but in my mind, you must have known this, because in my mind I thought, yeah, it does make sense, but I ain't going to become a Christian. The reason mm. is not one of my mates who I kicked around with, knocked soccer ball, was a Christian. So I didn't want to become one, because, you know, what, what happened? What, what, what my, I'd be called Bible Joe or something like that, you know, uh, and I, I just couldn't take that. 
bang for the street cred. So right. what happened was that this guy must have known that because some of you, he said, some of you guys says you think what I'm saying is relevant, uh, but you you're not interested in becoming a Christian. And he said, I want to tell you one more thing. And this what he what he shared with me, I would tell, just say to you, it's the thing that absolutely got through to me, and transformed my life. He said, this Jesus who is the way the truth and the life, actually was so caring that you young folk should discover this life that he actually gave his life on a cross. He died for the sins that you'd done. Now, nobody needed to tell me I was a sinner. I'd, I'd done enough at that stage in my life, you know, all right? And I knew I wasn't, you know, pleasing to God, if you want to put it that way, doing things against him. Right. And, and, and so I thought, if... Jesus is God, and of course he is. And if God's son died for me on a cross, then there's no, there's no sacrifice too great that I shouldn't give to him. In fact, that's a quote of a great cricketer. If you're into sport, there's a guy called C.T. Study. On, he had, was into horse race, and he had, he had stables and horse. And uh, he, uh, he gave his life to Christ and uh, became a great missionary. And he said this, if Jesus Christ is God, and he died for you, and he did, then there's no sacrifice too great that you should not give to him. And so that day, I simply, he said at the end, if any of you guys are interested in committing your life to following Jesus, I want you to stay behind. Well, all my mates got up, you know, and they went out, and they were going out, and until there's only three of us left in the room. But I stayed, and that day I said a very simple prayer. It was so simple. I mean, I didn't know theology or anything like that. I said, Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you, will you change my life? Will you be my saviour? And that day, June of 1958, was the day that, you know, revolutionised my life. And I look back to that day, I thank God for it. So, yeah, Jesus. But then I went on, of course, God has got a wonderful plan for our lives once we commit them to him. And it slowly and gradually got me into sports ministry, uh, working so I, I could uh, reach sports people. I thought, oh, there must be hundreds like me playing football and, you know, don't know a thing about what I've learned. You know, you know, and I joined in sport and I thought, I just would love somewhere to be able to communicate. And one day, it's, uh, uh, Jill Briscoe, the famous... American speaker now, I believe I was. She's getting old now. I think she's still alive. And um, she said, Graham, why don't you share, use sport? Why don't you try to use a game of soccer to tell people about Jesus? And so I thought, that won't work in England. You don't know the guys, you know. And but she said, organise a game and uh, tell them at the end you want to share with them, you know. So I organised the game. The kids turned up. And I got them for a cup of tea in the staff room, and they're all there after the game, after the team talk. I said, guys, I just want a few minutes of your time. Uh, I just want to talk about the greatest life on the planet. That's the phrase that I often use, use many. Right. What is the best life on the planet? What is, you know, well, the best life is the one that God came to bring us. And so we began, you know, to talk to footballers, and it worked. And that spread to telling different ways, got open all kinds of days, until I became, uh, uh, we, I met a guy from America. Great country, got wonderful guys here. Hey. And uh, he took me out for a, a Pepsi Cola or a Coca-Cola, 
And he said, Graham, I'm coming to Beverly and I do soccer camps for kids. And he said, it's a four-day school. We get the kids in, we give them the time of their lives. We show them how to play soccer. We also, every day, we give us, have a spot in the program, a Bible time. And we share Christ with the kids. So at this point, you're... You're playing soccer and sharing the gospel with adults. Yeah, that's adults. Yeah. And now he's bringing in kids. Kids, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of want to roll back here a second because as, as I've been listening, what I heard you say, and I just want to say this back, is um, you had three questions yep. that you were looking for. Yep. yep. And God brought somebody into your life mm-hmm. at that moment mm-hmm. that answered those three those questions, three questions yeah. very simply. Yep. It's almost as if... And I love throwing as if in here. Uh, it's almost as if God knew your mind, mm-hmm. knew your thoughts, yep. knew your heart. Yep. And so when you, he answered all the intellectual questions you had. Mm-hmm. And then you're ready to say yes, but your heart's still saying no because you're a little fearful yep. of, uh, of what your friends might say. And it's like he knew that as well. Mm-hmm. And he inspired the speakers to address that point. Exactly. Gave him the words. It was almost as if Christ was in the speaker mm-hmm. speaking directly to you. That's exactly what it was to me. It was, it, it was not the speaker. It seemed that Jesus was <laughs> speaking to me. So, so it's, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the, it's me. You want you to find me, you know. And, it, and it's one thing to think that there's this Jesus, this son of God that died on a cross 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's a long ways away. Mm-hmm. That's not... Mm-hmm. But to think that he was right there in mm. that moment, mm. living in mm. another individual mm. and speaking directly to Graham Stanford. Yep, absolutely. Is that, I, I just think, mm. that just blows me away. Mm. That, well, that a God would care that much about you that he already knew, yeah. knew your history. He watched yeah. you. Yeah. He, he learned you. He knew you yeah. enough yeah. That he could speak directly, directly to, to you yeah. in the middle of a group yeah, setting. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's exactly how it was. And uh, you, you know, God does know us. Uh, he does love us. He is interested because you know everybody knows God is love. But what does that mean? Right. What does it mean to a? Right. Know, it, it means that he wants to do something relevant for our lives. And uh, you know, it made common sense to me that the God who is there. You know, if we can get to know him, we've got a fantastic life. If we find, and it, it is the best life. I mean, you, you, God wouldn't give us second best. He, he created us. He made us. He knows what's the best life. He knows, he knows the moral problems that we have, you know. Uh, he knows the moral side of our life. Right. And, um, and, of course, what he wants to do in us. And there was a very important moment that I missed out, missed out in my testimony. It was a very important stage of my life was uh, after us, uh, I was uh, eight, with the time I got that, was 15, three years later, uh, I got the opportunity to go to uh, Bible school at Cape and Ray Hall in England mm. and uh, to study the Bible for nine months. And I was a bit reluctant to go in. I was a bit wondered what, you know, uh, and I, I caused havoc there actually in the early weeks. I nearly got sent home from school, all that kind of stuff. But the Word of God began to live. So I began to see the, the, the decision that I'd made when I was a 15-year-old. As I began to read the Bible, it was all there, you know, and, and wider and deeper. And, uh, and so I thought, this is great. So I started 
reading the Bible like I'd never done before. And I found in it, uh, as I say, a great assurance and great... I got to know God because of the... You know, that's just simple language. The Bible is the Word of God. So if you want to get to know them, listen to the Word, you know. And as you get into the Word, you begin to see what God's like. Right. And the Bible taught me what God was like. And what a wonderful God. Hmm. You know, it's well worth getting to know. <laughs> and, that, and that He didn't love you just enough to die on the cross. He loved you enough to, 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 to talk with you yeah. today. Yeah, and, and as I say, the great truth that I learned, which I believe is one of the central messages of the Bible in the New Testament, mm -hmm. was that Jesus didn't just want to be my savior, but he actually wanted to come in, in my life. That's why we ask him into our life through the Holy Spirit that he could get a grip of us and get us doing living the life you want and get uh, helping us to get to know God better because nobody knows God as well as Jesus, right? Right, God's son, you know. So, so I asked Jesus to come and live in my life, to think through my mind, to speak with my lips, to love with my heart, and just to take my life now and take me wherever He wanted me to go. Uh, and that's a great adventure. Whoever says Christianity is boring, it needs to, you know, let Christ control your life, and then it's not boring, it's exciting, right? Yeah. The great adventure. Yeah, yeah. I've often I've often felt that same way that my life should be an adventure. Yeah. Um, sometime when I was in my late teens, early twenties, somebody gave me this potential idea or vision that when we get to heaven, we're going to get to to watch the movie of our life. Mm -hmm. And and so as I pictured that, I picture you know some of these really nice in home theaters. Mm -hmm. You know where um, it's usually down towards the basement, and it's it's a very intimate setting. Um, and there's, you know, maybe platform seating and in the back are some of the bigger, the biggest nice seats, but then there's, you know, still very nice plush seating. And I picture somehow the multitude is in God's house in this little intimate theater. And I, I'd ask that my hope is that when we get to watch the movie of my life, I want the hosts, the angels who have been with God since before creation, I want them kind of, uh, you know, looking at the, watching the screen and looking back at God and watching the screen. I love to live a life where they've seen him do all these things, mm -hmm. but they're on the edge of their seat wondering how he's going to come through this time. Mm -hmm. I think what a great adventure that would yeah. be to give God an opportunity yeah. to show off. Uh, and, and we are his handiwork. I mean, that's what the Bible says. We, we, you know, this is my job. <laughs> that's what I'm good at, making right? lives tick, you know. And so that's how it, 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 you know. So how did your life change that first day? First day, well, yeah, right at the beginning, I think I, I had a brother who hated me. He didn't like me. He never called me Graham. He called me the rat. That was the name. So you imagine being brought up when your mum says, you know, go bring it in. He says, I don't want that dinner. He's touched it and slid, slid slung it on the table because I just brought it to him. I don't want it. The rat's touched it, you know. And I had a brother like that. Hmm. And so um, the first change I noted that I had, you know, I didn't like my brother. <laughs> you don't like people who called you a rat. Right. But I began to care for him. Hmm. It began to be. I, I, one thing also, my mum, my mum was a very weak woman. She died of a weak heart. She carried the shopping home. 
uh, on, come on Cherry's bus, we didn't have a car, it was poor home. She'd get off at the top of the street, carry right down the full length house, was the last house in the street, number 37, get right down the street, carry, then she'd drop on a chair, holding her heart, and she had to be on that chair 20 minutes before she could do tea. Mm. For us. And the very first thing, and I remember this, you say, how did it affect you? I never thought of that about mum doing that. You know, I'd watch her do it, but I took notice. And I would come home from school, I would run down Wharton Avenue, and I'd wait till Cherry's bus came, and I said, mum, pass those bags and carry them all the way down. Uh, nobody told me, no, no vicar told me that's what I should do. There was something in my heart that was saying, now you've got to love your mum and care for her. That was that, that that was and and that's all my brother. It affected my whole life first. That's where hmm. it be, that's where it began. And, uh, so you heard God nudging you. Mm, oh, definitely, definitely. Trying to the, to the whisper. Prompt, well, His Spirit prompted me. You know? Yeah, yeah. So so immediately it was real. Absolutely. You started to find truth. Yeah. You you started to learn a different way. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Caring for your mom. Yeah. Finding a little softness in a in a calloused heart towards yeah, yeah, your yeah, brother, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. And incidentally, amazing thing. My brother eventually became a Christian, which is an amazing story in itself. But you know, God reached that guy, and he listen. Peter, that was his name, was probably the one of the last people on earth that I would ever think. He never went to church or anything like that. And I thought, that's one of the last guys that would ever come to church, you know. And, and he did. Amazing. Mm. So I just gave him John's Gospel and asked him to read it. And it was through reading John's Gospel that he became a Christian. That's amazing. Mm. You know, it's interesting that that was personal to him. Yeah, yeah. And yet, that's a very similar story for so many people. Yeah, yeah. That, that John's Gospel comes out and yeah, speaks yeah. to their heart. Yeah. Well worth anybody who's starting. It's a good gospel to read at the beginning, to get into it. To, yeah, it's, to start uh, to understand who Jesus is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And to get to know him. Yeah, yeah. Right? So now back forward here, you're, you're, you're 18, you get a chance to go to this Cape and Ray yeah. that I've heard a lot about. Yeah, yeah. Um, How did your life change there? Well, I mean, as I say, I, I used to take a football and put it on my desk, okay? As soon as the lecture finished out kicking it around in the yard outside the field, uh, the lecture hall and knocking it around. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I wasn't a natural student. I, 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 I had to leave school when I was 15, so I wasn't used to studying, you know, right. and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, I remember going to the principal and I said, look, you keep saying you should read this, you should study that, you should read this book. He said, I, 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 put, I go back, sit on my desk, uh, you know, in my room, I open up the book and then I'm bored. <laughs> I just said, I just got to get up and do some. And he said, God will give you the power to study, you know. Hmm. And he says, he give us not just a spirit of love, but of a sound mind. He'll give you a disciplined mind. And, you know, I've read thousands of books since that day. It was, it was a, uh, it brought my intellectual life alive. Hmm. And uh, saw the reality that God can... Yeah, it can help in in daily life and your mum's home and that, but but it but it can help you in your thinking and your your growing in understanding and uh, and that's you know that that's what God was doing with me he was working on my mind, so that I got so excited about the Christian faith and what Christ can do for a life that I just wanted to spend my rest of my days 
getting to as many kids as I can. Because he took what what I when you were talking about that, I have this picture of yeah. of like the intellect of you, your your yeah, intelligence, yeah, yeah, yeah. just wrapped up in chains and locked up. Yeah, and through those yeah. words, the recognition that God could could and then did yeah. unlock those chains and yeah. open that up for you. Now you've absolutely, read absolutely, absolutely. And they made my mind. My, I mean, my wife would often say to me, "Graham, you've got a good mind, but it needs training." You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know, in those early days, I, I did get my exams. I did night school. I would come home from work, and we had young kids. But Viv said, "Get out, train that mind," and uh, that's what I sought to do. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It's really interesting. I do a I do a talk for um, kids that. Uh, are either on the spectrum or have ADHD mm-hmm. um, because the world seems to tell them that their mind is broken. Mm-hmm. And I try to help them understand that it's not broken. Mm-hmm. It's actually that they have, uh, to use to use kind of your words, they have a racehorse. Yeah. Yeah. The, the average person, I think, has a, um, they've got a workhorse for a brain. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. some have a racehorse. Yeah. And a racehorse, you can't hook up to a plow. You can't hook up to a wagon. They've got to run. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so where I, I oftentimes I'll draw the little box and I'll mm. say this is where the rest of the world, all of their thoughts mm. are contained in this box. Mm. But your thoughts are all over here and mm. here and you're making connections mm. that others can't make mm. because they don't see that. Mm. But you're a racehorse and you're outside the box. You make connections that they can't. Yeah. yeah. And I will often tell them one of the one of the greatest inventions of all time was was the printing press. Absolutely, yeah. And and it we call it an invention, but it really wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It was that he went into a winery to get his wine mm. and he saw the screw as they were as they were crushing the grapes. Mm-hmm. And he saw he thought, "Well, what if I put that on my press over here?" Mm-hmm. And he combined two pieces of technology that already existed. Mm-hmm. And when he did that, he changed the entire world. Yeah, the and he breath, yeah. Which allowed books for you and I. I don't know. There's probably a dozen books right here in the studio yeah, yeah. that are all go back to this one man who was an outside the box thinker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for outside the box thinkers to start to realize God created you and your mind to connect things that others don't. Mm-hmm. And you will better society and better the world in ways that, that those who are in the box can't. Mm-hmm. So don't ever think that you're less. But instead, understand that you are special, you're unique, mm. and now mm. the difference is it's it's not hard mm. to train a horse to pull a wagon, no. but it's very hard to train a to train a thoroughbred yeah. to race, yeah. and that's where those minds need the training and need the discipline. Mm. Um, do you find that that was maybe? Do you identify with that some? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, the big truth that's. Uh, um, about my life, I mean, I don't think of a lot of gifts and things like that, I, but the truth that I began to see was God delights to use weakness. Weak people. Mm. I was a weak person, you know, in in, 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 in areas of my life. And as I said, because I, I didn't get a school education, I had to leave my mum and said, you've got to go and work. You're 15 now. You can't keep you on at school. Do your exams. And so I, I, I was left with an handicap. And when I went on to Bible school, everybody was, you know, university trained and things like that. And there was little me studying with them. And then, you know, it's God, God give me, I, I've been to America several times, but got invited to speak in, in universities here. Um, one in Colorado, the Christ, Colorado Christian. And, 
in uh, California, Biola Uni, and then the big uh, Quaker one in uh, Portland, Oregon. Uh, mm. That was what you call that one. But just to speak to the whole, the whole fatality, you know. And there's me, little no idea, and I'd sometimes stand up, look at all the people in the big hall, and I thought every one of you has got a better education. Here. <laughs> Am I, you know, seeking to speak to you? And that, that's the kind of thing God does with our lives. He picks right. us up as weakness. He, we're always weak, I don't think, you know, but we always have his strength. Right. And I, I could stand up there and speak with with a strength that, that came from heaven. Right. And they listened. You know? They have a book knowledge, yeah, yeah. but you have, yeah. you have the key to the source of knowledge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they would certainly listen to you. May I just probably tell you one story, just to demonstrate the way God can can use weakness. Um, I, uh, I after I'd finished school, I uh, had to get some money quick. <laughs> you know, money after Bible school, and so I got a first job I got was right on a a motorway. They was doing a curve on this motorway, and they wanted you know people to graph there, and and I I think it was six week contract. I I got I got on there. And I worked with some of the most foulest men, crude men, that I've ever. I, first job, incidentally, was in the shipyard. So I'm used to people swearing, I'm used to bad language. But these guys on that road were the, the crudest men that I've ever worked with in my whole life. Mm. And there, there was I. And um, I worked, so what I would do, we'd do a tea break, it was not 10 minutes, okay? They had a tea break, sometimes an hour, okay? They're just sitting there. Foreman would bang on the window, just ignored him. And they just sit there and chat, but filth, basically. And so I thought, oh, I'm just out of Bible school. And so I got a book, and I thought, I'm going to read this, you know, just to keep my mind reasonable. And I said, sit there, and they'd go on. And in one of the days, one guy looked across at me and said, why is it you've got all, you know, what are you doing? What are you? I said, I, I said, I'm reading. He said, well, what are you reading? And I thought, oh, here's my bravery, a book, you know. <laughs> And um, so they said, well, yeah, but what sort of a book? I said, well, it's actually a book by a man by the name Moody, and it's his sermons. And then this guy shook me to the ground. He just said, read us some. And the Moody sermons. The sentence that I read from the book was, though your sins are as high as a mountain, God's love and grace is higher than any man's mountain, you know? And it can reach you. And I just read that. And next day, this read us some more of that book. So for, for, you know, I don't know how many weeks I only had a six-week contract, but I read through that. One day, to my great relief, I left the book at home because it was always an ordeal. And I'd come out without the book. And, uh, oh, dear, and it's my day off today. So they, again, yeah, go on, let's have the book now, you know. And I said, oh, sorry, it's my day off today. And I'd been working with one of the men prior to that and told mm-hmm. him that I'd been on Sunday night speaking to the kids in the local youth centre. He says, oh, you haven't got your book. Why don't you tell us what you told the kids in the Beverly Youth Centre? So I stood <laughs> up then and I just shared, you know, exactly the same message that I'd given those kids in the youth centre. And, um, and and after after six weeks, uh, one of the the men, the worst one of the worst men, being in prison, all that kind of stuff, um, he owed me some money because I used to collect the money for tea and sugar and you know get the and I had a board, big black board, and I put on how much each man used me. He was all never paid, 
all the time we had never and then on the last day across his name it had paid you know so there's all the men this is my last time to speak to them you know they're looking up and saying and, I, and, and they said um, you know I said he's never paid he, you know he hasn't got he spends all his money on beer he hasn't any money to give you so I said yeah I'm going to tell you something I said I paid for him I, I paid it myself I paid it I paid his fees for him I said That's, this is my last thought to you guys when Jesus died on the cross he paid paid the price so you could be set free and uh, when I get got, came away from a little phrase came into my life that I've used so often I can't but he can and I couldn't do that job in fact I went away three times uh, from that you know when the, the Lord t- told me to witness to those men three times I said, I said to him yeah, sorry I can't do it God not those I'm speaking to young people that's fine but not this lot I can't do it and uh, Stuart Briscoe was one of our lectures on one of the last lectures said whenever you get into a situation where you say I can't always remember he can and that Mm. has been the testimony of my life I can't but he can so what I just pieced together is at the beginning of this of this uh, interview you talked about a man coming into your life mm. and God talking through him exactly to what you needed to hear. Yeah. And now here you just tell a story where Christ has come into your life mm. and at the moment they say, read us, mm. here is something very applicable to them yeah. that moves them mm. and mm. opens up, creates their desire and their hunger mm. for more. Yeah. That to anybody, and probably to them, they would have completely rejected it any other time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So men, and they bragged about how much beer they drunk on the night. I mean, one man twenty pints. I don't know how anybody could ever drink twenty pints of beer on a night, you know. But that's what he bragged. <laughs> wow, mm. what a, what an amazing story! That mm. the same way God reached to you, mm. He's now using you to reach others. Mm. Well, I'm very thankful for that. Very humbled. Right, but thankful. So, a little bit about. Um, let's talk about some of the youth. What, where you were? You were playing soccer, yeah, yeah. and and uh, and sharing the gospel, yeah, yeah. sharing God with adults. And then you have this American who comes along and says, "Hey, what about kids?" Yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, they, 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 he said he was coming to England, coming to Bolton to set it up. So I, I was put on the board to help him with his beginning work and learn the principles of how we did it. And so we started soccer schools and uh, started, uh, they, they took off. The one in our local town, then, you know, beyond that. Instead, now they're quite right found to the south of England. We're in the North Kent and areas like that. And uh, there's kids hearing the gospel all over the place through teams going out, doing the same thing. And uh, and kids are turning to Christ and uh, we're seeing a lot of kids coming to Christ through the soccer school scheme. And uh, we did a men's league, we've done a ladies' netball league, uh, where the, the girls are now here. And so sometimes our schools are, are soccer and netball. They can sign up for football, or if the girls want to play netball, uh, they're signing them. So it's just spread, it's just taken. Men's teams have travelled, they, they, they've got a team that's gone overseas, came here to Colorado, I remember playing soccer in Colorado mm. and different places and uh, um, Port, uh, Spain, 
Port not Portugal, Spain, Germany, uh, uh, what they call it, what's the country? Uh, it's a minute's gone from me in every way. But different places in Europe, yeah. that's that's good enough. And it's and it all started with him coming and, and you getting involved and yeah, and yeah. putting it that just, together. Just took off. Just took off. That's crazy. So you you shared yesterday or uh, earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, you shared a story of how um, you ended up getting into schools. And I know yeah. in America, yeah. there's a lot of concern about. Uh, you hear a lot of people concerned that well, we've taken God out of schools. We've yeah. taken the Bible. We've taken yeah. prayer. Yeah. We can't even show the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, at a point, um, found a, a desire in your heart, feeling led to go to the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was where my first job was a youth club leader, and my, uh, you know, get the centre alive so kids had come to it. That was my first thing. Guitar, you know, get the kids in off the town. We were getting about forty kids in, and um, it was it was going reasonably well, but God spoke to me. And through something that Jill Brisk said, if you want to reach youth, you've got to go where youth are. And so I just asked the question, simple question, where are the kids of this town? Well, there's seven, 700 of them, 700 of them, uh, less than a half a mile from where I you know, was at the centre, 700 of them meeting in there. Uh, that's where they are. So I went up to that school and I asked if I could come in. And believe in all the Ed was not a Christian or anything like that. He said, "You come, you can come in." And then we did uh, little things in the, the uh, in England. Schools have an assembly in the beginning of the, a few uh, moral thoughts, Christian thoughts at the beginning of a day. But you know, we took them. We talked about Jesus to the kids, and it worked. I've never, I never got throughout. You know, how did you get into the schools? Well, I saw the head, the principal, and asked him if. We could, and once I got into one school, and it worked well, I could say, "Oh, we're we're in that school down the road. What about us coming in there?" You know, and then I, I, slowly the work got known, and 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 schools began to open up to us, and it just spread through six regions hmm. uh, of work, and there were about, you know, there were hundreds, hundreds here and through. We took assemblies, um, you know. Uh, classes, we were invited in the classroom. I took loads of classes with kids and just talked about Jesus and his relevance to young people. So was there a change in those kids' lives? Was there a change in the school that they were that the schools were so eager to, to see you come in or so welcoming? Um, I, I believe, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I mean, we used to take... We developed the ministry. Uh, we, we started good news clubs in each school. We... Uh, at the summertime, took the kids for the craziest camps, that you, you know, and give them. And there, we were much freer to speak more of the Christian faith and and challenge them, talk to them after you know lights out or a night, on a night, and their uh, kids started coming to Christ. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But um, people are open. It's a, we, we we got the idea, and it's easy to get in our society that kids are not interested, you know. But when you really show them that you're a real friend and you're really interested in their life and you've got something relevant, they, they, they don't want rubbish, they don't want dryness, they want something absolutely relevant. And, of course, the Christian faith is. It's God's, you know, means of bringing life to himself. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. And if we can start to share with young folks 
the same type of love mm. that that we feel from Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what would you say as you've grown to that? Someone who's maybe been in been a Christian, maybe they gave their life to Christ, they trusted Christ, yeah. but maybe they don't really feel like God is in them, um, or they don't feel that love that you and I are talking mm-hmm. about. Um, if you had, if 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 you had a chance to sit down with one of them, what what would you say? I would say simply that, um, you know, first of all, I would get them to believe in God because the logic to God being a, a reality, and I'd get them to look at the the universe and ask the simple question. Was that just a big explosion or did is there a creator? It's the design in the universe. And get them thinking down those lines. And then I would say, okay, look at your body. You know, you've got an eye. Is that a part of an explosion? That you happen to have an eye that you're looking at? You've got an ear, you're listening to me now. You know, you've got a respiration thing going on here. You've got something to get rid of your waste, <laughs> a food you eat. It's all working, you know. Is that just happened by chance? You know, and I sometimes talk about the water cycle, about how, you know, there's there's the water in the sea, but we need it on the land, and what happens? Vapor goes up, gets into the heights, then um, rain comes all over the place, and God waters the air. Is that just chance? And and you can go on and on through just, just looking at God and creation and seeing the reality of God in creation. I think that's one where I, I, I start... It says in the scriptures, you first of all, you must believe that God is mm-hmm. and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So first of all, you've got to show him, show them that God is and that he's one who will really reward them if they seek him. Right. And he does. He does. Yeah. What, yeah, yeah. Whatever he says, seek and you will find. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I absolutely believe that whatever we chase after, we'll find. Mm-hmm. So chase after God. Yeah. yeah. Because um, yeah. the rest of it that you can chase after, it ends up being yeah. meaningless. Yeah, and I mean, you can go on and say, you know, what what do you got when you push God out? You know, what, what sort of world have you got? Well, look at the world today. Wars, killings, fighting, you know. The Bible uses the word sin, and people don't like that word, but that's in everybody's life. People lie, people cheat. In soccer, they, you know, cheat in the game. Um, it, it, it's... Uh, you know, dive in the box and all like that it just comes naturally, of course. But that's that's what that's the Bible. The word uses is sin. That's in our lives, and that's what Christ came to do. So you can you know, examine man as well as the you know God of the creation. Look inside men and see you know that we've got corrupt hearts, that we're selfish, that we can do horrible things. We can. And, uh, well, and you've done some great things. Yeah. God's used you a lot for yeah. a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you see, uh, what do you think your story looks like going forward? Well, I just want to spend, I'm, I'm 80 in July. Uh, I just want to use the rest of my days, you know, just serving God and doing all I can to bring people to Christ. That is my passion and desire now hmm. at 80. No slowing down, no rusting. <laughs> I still play soccer at 80, so um, I can't play very well now, of course. But uh, uh, I, I can move. <laughs> right. 
And uh, I'm just thankful that God was there. And you know that verse that I used, that big board that was there, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I can look back, I'm 80 now. Did it work? You know, was it real? Was it true? And this is why I, I, I want to do it, because it's absolutely real, absolutely true. And I've got a life behind me. I can look back all those years now and say, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Follow him. Hmm. Well, Graham, thank you so much for sharing. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you being here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm encouraged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope, and I'm sure the listeners will be too. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much. Appreciate it. This has been the Who is God podcast. Yeah. Did you have something else? No, I was just going to say thank you for putting up with a Yorkshire kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, it was kind of fun. I, in high school, I got a chance to, um, mm-hmm. to play in My Fair Lady, yeah. and I got to pretend I had a Cockney accent. <laughs> so um, yeah. that was a lot of fun, playing yeah. with my tongue. But yeah. uh, it's been great to hear you, um, not just your accent, but how God has worked in your life mm-hmm. and how it's very evident that God is real um, and to see how much he truly has loved you and loved others through you um, and the manner in which he's done that. And so I really appreciate you sharing that with us. So, Well, this is the Who is God podcast. I am Thaddeus Funk, and I hope you, along with me, learned a little bit more about who God is today, and I encourage you to uh, seek him. As Graham said, seek and you will find. If you seek God, I'm sure you will find him. You've been listening to the Who is God podcast. Join the discussion on Facebook or Instagram. This podcast has been brought to you by Tacklebox Studios. Tacklebox Studios is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. This podcast has been made possible by generous support from individuals like you. Have you found this meaningful? Please let us know. Donations can be mailed to Tacklebox Studios. 285 South 68th Street Place, Suite 320, Lincoln, Nebraska, 68510.